one and all. It's Weekly Manga Recap time with your friends Nick and Quinn here to talk about the manga stuff, the ending ones, the beginning ones, and all those in between. Uh-huh. It's the uh, 12th of April of 2023. Uh, I have uh, not celebrated a birthday since the last time we were on, since technically it was before that, but uh, all, all of the things that happened where people were like, come be with us while you celebrate your your revolution around the sun once again. Uh, and uh, my my. I've been eating so well <laughs> several <laughs> days, and now my, my my stomach's like, you need to stop this. <laughs> Think of how proud your ancestors are, though. Oh, I'm sure. They're like, you're not hungry. In fact, you're eating well like a king. Congratulations. Yes. Uh, and it's like, yeah, but unlike those kings, we don't want to kill them and take all their stuff. You, you're um, cool. You're, because a good king. A good king. Yeah. Those what? exist, right? Yeah, that would be the name of your autobiography, A Good King. The Good King. <laughs> you'll you'll have recently won the King of the Ring tournament, so you'll be doing this, like a little crown on top this, of your head. Even if anything happens where I would be called a king, I, re- I will refuse to have anything in this biography that explains where the title The Good King comes from. <laughs> like if they, so if they aren't aware of this one specific episode of this podcast that I did with, with my very good friend for like 12 years, if they don't check out the very specific one where we make reference to this, they're not going to understand where the fuck did this, did this come from. The real- they'll, think it ca- they'll think it came from the time I won King of the Ring, but they'll oh, be wrong. Yeah, you're like, no, I didn't. That's kayfabe, <laughs> nah, bitch. Nah, what are you talking about? This <laughs> <laughs> is real life. <laughs> Uh, yeah, only the real ones listen to episode 749 or whatever we're on a weekly long recap for our references. Just probably more than that. I'm too I'm almost to certain. I, so. I feel like it was several years ago we hit episode 500. Uh, I mean, but I don't yeah. count. I mean, I guess, hold on. I have Podbean. I can tell exactly how many episodes oh, okay. we have. Well, uh, right? 624? I, that seems low. That does seem low. Like, if we've been doing this once a week for, you know, accepting, like, days there's no manga and occasionally we need a break, for the amount of time that we've been doing it, there should be well over that, right? I mean, this is, this is what no, I... No, no, I guess it makes it... No, no, why am I talking why am I talking about? If we do it, like, 50 times a year and we've been doing it for 11 years, then I guess that, yeah, that makes sense. That's It balances I out. I think there's also, like, one or two episodes that I are lost to time or something like that. I can't do math right now. I'm tired. <laughs> hey, you know what? This is a non-math zone until we get to Cypher Academy. We need to. Pull and then we got to do a math. We're gonna, we're gonna have to pull you into the ringer on that one. Um, but for now, we just get to talk about space and stuff. Yeah, uh, guys, we're gonna just you know talk about our weekly series today. Uh, so uh, there's no like not a lot of you know our off week stuff. Uh, this week, uh, and also no recommendation, and also no My Hero, but uh, it's the last chapter of Kinka and Luna, and also the first chapter of a new series. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, Beginnings uh, and with, endings. Yep, with uh, fewer boobs than you might expect, given who made it. But there's there's still time for chapter two. Still time for chapter two. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that we'll get started with uh, Undead Unluck, why don't we? Yeah, Undead Unluck, this is number 154, Select. And we get a nice, beautiful color page with Fuko and uh, all the new members she's recruited. And they all have their little uniforms. And it is a wonderful touch that all of the Union uniforms have, like, a red stripe going down the middle to symbolize the tie. So, like, even in space, 
They're dapper. Yeah, their fits on point. I love it. Um, so we start sort of in what we don't find out until a little bit later, but a, a recording essentially of a space station that has been performing some kind of experiment. And now things are going awry. And we see that there's like a hole in the space station. Everything's getting sucked out. They're like, hey, what's going on? And we are getting the report basically that uh, three days ago, the station that was built by a certain country in secret ceased communications. Going to keep that country under under wraps. Uh, and they're like, yep. And this, this is like the hacked footage showing the station was attacked and not likely by humans. And we see uh, in particular uh, a young Phil. I guess he's always been young, but, you know, this is Phil. Uh, and some other person who is protecting him, holding him, and uh, is like, oh, we'll be safe in here. And the person theorizes it's either UMA or an alien. And, like, there's banging, like, coming through the top of the ceiling, and then the feed cuts out. So Foucault just says, we will go by rocket, and we will save Phil. And they're like, wait to save him like aren't rockets like extremely dangerous is this worth the risk if Fuka's like look phil's only six years old right now he's likely with his mom in the station shelter waiting for help and this is most likely when his ability will manifest the ability to negate feelings and sensations unfeel and uh you know fuko gives a little bit more clarification of details about phil that i believe we did know about this uh but i guess i'll having, take your word for it having, like, I, I, every I, time that you make a big deal this is true you you've you you've been pretty consistent about this whole thing and phil nick phil and literally every time this happened it's like well, I'm glad that Quinn has reminded me of Phil's existence because I don't remember a damn thing about him. <laughs> uh, Foucault explains that Phil has basically used that ability to uh, cover himself in different artifacts because it didn't matter and he didn't speak and all these sorts of things. I do believe we knew that before that Phil had like a bunch of artifacts inside him. We just didn't really know exactly why. So we're kind of getting a little bit of that that context. Uh, and Foucault's just like, yeah, we're going to use our scientific prowess and negator abilities to get into the space station as quickly as possible. And immediately, um, uh, Nico, Nico, I don't know why yeah. I'm blanking, uh, is like, hold up. Why is that child in space? <laughs> it had to come up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, and then Bao, who I forget exists, comes in and is right. just like, I will explain that. It is the New Feeling Project, an experiment that seems to study the effects of hu of space on human adaptability. And this country has been secretly performing experiments, and they constructed the space station in secret. And within its walls, a child was born and raised there. And that child is Phil. And Nico's really pissed. He's like, fuck this. I, like, science makes developments to protect people. So toying with the very lives they're trying to protect isn't science at all. And he's, he has like a very st like stalwart face. He's like, we are going to save this kid. Count on it. So immediately Sean like is like, so who's going to be going? And like everyone's kind of like piping in. They're like, yeah, I want to help. Bring me along. Bring me along. And Fuko's just like, hey, Nico, how many people could we take on a rocket? And it just fades to black as Nico says three people. And we cut over to the round table 
uh, where <laughs> Apocalypse is all angry. He's like, you can't use this. This isn't like a meeting spot for you fucks. There's no new missions yet. And Fuko's like, eh, it's business. It works. Yeah, we've got this massive stone table here <laughs> with chairs and you know, icons. And it's like, it's clearly designed for gatherings and meetings. You can't use this as a meeting place. No. <laughs> Get out of here. This is, this is where we lord over you the fact that you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to tremble in fear here. I mean, you haven't been doing that a lot this loop, but. Uh, Fuko says, no, it's important. We need to have three people here for a meeting. I want my opinion. I need, uh, or we need an objective opinion, a negator's opinion, and then a mechanic's opinion on this mission and who would be the best people to bring along with it. So, Billy, you will be the objective uh, opinion. I will be the negator opinion, and uh, Nico will be the mechanic. So, they're like, hey, we're going to need basically three people for this lineup. We're going to need a leader, a mechanic, and a striker. And all three of them basically put forward what their ideal uh, lineups would be. So Fuko has Creed as the leader, Nico as the mechanic, and Void as the striker. Uh, Billy has Fuko as the leader, Nico as the mechanic, and then Creed as the striker, and then Nico has Fuko as the leader, Chico as the mechanic, and then Creed as the striker. And they're like, well, there's a lot of similarities between our lists. It's it is interesting how all of them omit themselves mm-hmm. from their lineup. Yes. Uh, so, so you know, Nico's like, no, I shouldn't go as the mechanic. When it's like, obviously, you should go as the mechanic. And Fuko's like, I shouldn't be the leader. It's like, yes, you should be the leader. <laughs> You're the, the fu- leader of this on. whole team. Uh, so they 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 try they start to like, kind of like explain their thought processes, and essentially the reason for Creed is like, look. He would be really useful to have in space because we don't have to bring ammunition along, really. He just needs like, a bare minimum, and then he can handle everything else. But uh, Nico also brings a good point where he's like, also, he can make like the ship supplies not decrease. Yes. So that's really useful, and he would be more useful as a striker than a leader. Everyone's like, Nico, they're uh, Fuko, that has to be you. You should be mm-hmm. the leader. Uh and uh, Fuko does offer why she picked uh, um, Void as a striker. It's basically just like we wanted somebody with like restraint uh, restrainer abilities. I don't really know how Void's a restrainer other than he is going to punch you really hard. But I yeah. guess I guess that is a restraint in a way, <laughs> like knocking people out as opposed to shooting up full of bullets. Uh, they do know that that's why they're not picking Usai is she doesn't have a full grasp of her powers, so she could mm-hmm. blow up the entire ship with her, her ability. Yeah, someone might not be able to get out of the ship at some point yeah. <laughs> if she's there. So uh, yeah. They do note, they're like, cause they, so they've covered, like, leader, and uh, is that what Unavoidable does? Stop people from moving? I thought it made him not miss. I'm, I've been dumb and maybe uh, misreading it. Anyway, they've, they've covered those two. They're like, we need to think on the mechanic, and there is a funny scene where both of their eye lines clearly are going straight towards uh, Nico, but because Apocalypse is in front of Fuko, the little dot line has to look like, above him. <laughs> and Nico just notes, he's like, no, I definitely want to go. There's no way I'd miss this. This kid's life is on the line. This is all important. But if Chico's just as smart as I am, she's she's learned astral projection. She's definitely the best person for this. The more competent person should go. I don't want to get anyone killed because of my own curiosity. I'll build the rocket. You get out there and save the kid. I'll get back to work. That's up to you. 
and he has this has this moment where he's like, "I've just had the final word in this conversation." Yeah. <laughs> he's had he's had the smug grin. He walks off with one hand in the air. He's like, "Yeah, conversation over. I've said my piece. I'm getting my way." And then immediately F- Fuko and Billy are like, "That that's that's decided. It's definitely you." Then and he's like, "What are you talking about?" No, no, I walked away with one hand in the air. That's me winning the conversation. <laughs> I ended the conversation. Uh, he, she, he's like, no, she's got the extra something over me. She's the best choice. And they're like, you have something extra too, though. Your desire to save Phil is stronger than anybody else. And that's why I feel like you should go. Let's save him from a tragedy born of science and negation together. And Billy's like, yeah, like I can hear your resolve more clearly than anybody else. It's It's definitely you. So there we go. We have our lineup for the space mission. Fuka will lead it. Creed will be the striker. And Nico will join as the mechanic. It is Operation Rescue Phil in the quickest way possible. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that we uh, just kind of like banged this part out, honestly. Um, I don't didn't have a whole lot invested in like, and here's who's going. It's just like, just, just tell me who's going. Uh, but there was a fun conversation along the way. And... Uh, I also appreciate the very ominous way that we start things off with like, what the hell is going on with everything that's happening in the space station? Is there a xenomorph up there? What's going on? Um, And uh, yeah, I guess we'll find out what Phil's deal is so far as we have been getting to know people that we barely met in the first loop or not the first loop, but the most recent loop better. Uh, It's been very interesting. And Phil is among those we know the least about the uh, the character i think we know the least about of like everybody who's still left at this point like we've, we've of, the, of those who are left yes yeah we we know basically everybody else's deal pretty clearly um i like creed is going along too it's it feels like a good way to get somebody new into the group even though mm-hmm. i don't know if we've had we haven't like really explored a lot of void since his, the end of his story but i i am interested to see more creed also I hope he comes and says uh, decrease a hundred times in this arc. Like he's like, yeah. we got to decrease the chance this kid will die. We have to decrease this chance's complete lack of emotions. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just get really obtuse. <laughs> yeah, I thought this. I thought this chapter was really good. Uh, like a fun discussion of these characters. Everybody seemed to like really vibe and that was good stuff i that is true yeah. work loin mentioned unburn we know next to nothing about unburn uh but i was thinking like union members i guess he, uh but yeah he, he is uh probably the other character you're just like what's your deal buddy <laughs> all right guys we're gonna move on now to chainsaw man uh, chapter 126 food fight uh Last time, Denji showed up, uh, chainsaw first, going after Falling Devil. Uh, but uh, despite the fact that uh, she's getting chopped up a lot, uh, she just kind of like pulls herself back together, grabs her head whenever it gets knocked away from her, and then batters or slices up Denji. Uh, so it's uh, not going great for him. Uh, she seems to not leave any permanent marks on her as it gets kicked into a wall. Uh, she picks up uh, one of the apples that uh, she dropped when, you know, Denji attacked her for being an apple thief. And uh, the Falling Devil says, uh, look, we don't really need to fight. I'm not going to kill any more humans. I'm just going to kill Asami Taka. <laughs> yeah. I've done all that. We're good now. 
Uh, and she says, yeah, once I've done that, I'll, I'll leave. But then she says, wait, did you say you're going to drop Asamitaka into hell? Yeah. I've, I've got a job to feed the residents of hell, and Asamitaka is the final course. And then she's like, well, that doesn't really make sense. But this is great, because now I have an excuse to kill you. Keep your hands off my ex-potential girlfriend. Oh, he has, he has his way. Yeah, I mean, it's he's not incorrect. Uh, so, yeah. He dashes towards her again with his chainsaws, but she boops him on the bottom of his nose. Boop! Aw, adorable. And says, all right, you're, you're repeating my cooking. I, I must ask you to leave. Fall. And we just get a flash of human form Denji with uh, his friends, his dead friends, behind him. Specifically uh, when he killed them. Or when he, or when he was responsible for their deaths. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Gun Devilaki and uh, Busted Open and Power are flashing in his head. And he goes, Gah! and he starts. I was like, oh, my air. God, this is going to be like the entire chapter. And then, like, you turn nope. a page and then he's like, let's go. Bitch! <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, wow, Denji's gotten so strong. Like, he was suffocated with grief and he figured out a way around it. And then he explains, he's like, when I fight devils that use mental attacks, I just slice my brain up. Yeah, and uh, he, in between attacking uh, the falling devil and slicing her up, is just chopping into his own head to <laughs> block the mental attack. It's a strategy. It works. Like he he solved it. This is this is the new meta, Nick. <laughs> Everyone's got to start following this. Everyone's like, yeah, you got to do the chainsaw your brain uh, strat, otherwise you're just not going to be able to get past falling devil. Uh. So what is Denji? Uh, what is Denji's mental state when he's literally chopped into his own brain? He wants to eat corn dogs from France. Uh, that's that's what he says. And uh, it, while saying that, he starts to eat the falling devil's leg, uh, and go and he's going ah yummy. And the falling devil, while just you know holding her head up in the air, just says, "Stop that! Stop it! I'm not a corn dog! Stop!" Uh, and then she gets weirdly melodramatic again and says, perhaps you're right, though. A chef ought to experience being eaten at least once. Uh, but that doesn't last for very long. Uh, as it looks as though he gets part of the way through eating her and then she just erupts out of his stomach. I think that's what happens uh, due to the fact that we, you know, can't she be shown in full gratuity the act of a humanoid eating another humanoid? <laughs> there are laws sometimes of decency you have to maintain. I think that he she erupts out of his stomach and says, thank you for the five-star experience because she's a chef. Uh, and even while Denji continues trying to chainsaw her and is slicing through her face, uh, she f just flicks him away. Uh, and he's not doing good because his organs are connecting his legs to his chest at this point uh, and so he's slowed down as the falling devil says I detest ugliness and just floats off so Denji's down uh, and he says get back here <laughs> he eater. he'd probably be doing better if he didn't chainsaw up his brain so bad Nah, what? No, it's the strat, Quinn, remember? <laughs> it's the meta, I'm sorry. Everybody's like, look, the falling devil has a couple counters to the chainsaw and your brain up thing. One of the big <laughs> ones, of course, being she will explode out of your stomach when you try to eat her. But you gotta stick to the strat. 
Uh, but someone comes by uh, and feeds Denji some of their blood. Uh, who is it? Well, they've got sneakers. I know that much. Uh, and they just say, I still need you to fight Chainsaw Man. Hmm. I'm, so ass- that- I'm assuming Yoshida, that that would be my immediate pick, but, you know, we have mysteries afoot all over this series. Yeah. Yoshida would be my first guess, but yeah, who knows? Uh, and uh, the Fallen Devil floats off and immediately comes across uh, Asa, who says, It found us! And she says, I found you. And uh, yeah, it's uh, not a good time for, for Asa and Yori right now. Uh, I uh, don't know how much longer this thing is going to last. It feels like suddenly the pace has quickened drastically. Uh, so. Uh, we'll see how long it takes to come to a climax of this fight. I imagine we'll have a little bit of some back and forth here. Denji, we know, is not out. Uh, but there, it, it feels like there's still a lot. Um, oh, uh, I think the part of this chapter that I will really maintain is uh, Denji uh, slicing her up, going yummy as he eats her. And just the falling devil's like displeasure because it's just like a, a closed fate like it's there's there's no eyes it's just like closed with stop, that. Down. stop that i'm not a corn dog <laughs> and you're like it's one of those moments you wish you could like have on hand when somebody's like what's chainsaw oh, yeah. man like and you're like here it's this it's <laughs> stop that i am not a corn dog yeah great or, line yeah 10 out of 10 while denji is chopping up his own head by the way still He's still continuing to buzzsaw his brains. So, ah, all right. Uh, yeah, uh, crazy chapter. Uh, almost was a downer time, but then Deji chopped up his own brain. So thanks, buddy. Yeah. Okay, it's Akane Banashi. It's story 57, The Rakugo Swamp. That's, uh, you know, where you go and uh, you, uh, you expect to just kind of have a good time. But honestly, it's just like there's a bunch of like weird weird roads that just aren't like fully designed to actually let you get in and out of the stadium and stuff. And, uh, there's also just a bunch of jerky students everywhere. So, yeah, sorry. I went to university of Florida. So <laughs> I was like, Nick's going on something here, but I'm just going to let him grow. I'm going to let him, this, I'm going to let him roll. We called the stadium, the swamp. Oh, cause it taps cause, for black mana. Yes. Yes. That's, it, it is a place of darkness and misery, all right. <laughs> Liliana goes there. You know, Nick, Liliana also goes by the pseudonym Professor Onyx. Uh, that was when she was in hiding for a brief period of time before she came to grips with Gideon's death and uh, his sacrifice for her sake. She learned to be a little less self- uh, selfish. However, didn't change her color identity. She's still mono black. So, you know. You know, when I think of a of a name that I want to use in order to make sure that I'm not drawing attention to myself while I'm undercover, I think Professor Onyx. <laughs> no one will turn their head at that. <laughs> it's it's very amusing to me too because when the card comes out, like uh, it has the subtype Liliana because it's a Liliana Planeswalker. <laughs> but it right. does, and you do like I know the kids at the school don't get to see the cards, but you do. They're like, why does this card say Liliana when this is clearly <laughs> Professor Onyx? <laughs> I Listen, I I understand that Professor Onyx is a Liliana Planeswalker, but. <laughs> It's one of those curious, it's one of those, uh, you know, AI designed cards. It just adds random <laughs> subtypes to things that aren't. Okay. 
so uh oh my gosh everyone is excited about hikaru and how she's gonna be making her rakugo debut which she kind of already did but it's her real rakugo debut because it's not an amateur event she's like you know become like an apprentice and mm-hmm. stuff uh so she is now learning from uh someone of the arakawa school and uh we see a uh, young journalism lady is very very uh pumped up about this because uh hikaru is the one that she knows about so i wonder is she going to appear in this story at all if hikaru is not involved because she hasn't shown up at literally any event that hikaru has not been present for uh also, Koreshi is looking at his phone. Is like, ah, okay, she's here too. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> um, Akane uh, is surprised to see Hikaru, and she goes, oh, why? Uh, and uh, uh, she says, oh, because I'm Arakugoka. I'm the apprentice of Iken Arakawa, and that's my name here, Arakawa Hikaru, which I guess Akane didn't recognize because I thought that. Or I think that because she just calls herself Arakawa Hikaru, right? Yeah. Like that's that, so. They, there's a big thing that kind of happens here where uh, the kid—I can't remember his, his name at this point. His head is kind of is thinking about her name as it appears on the the uh, the, the order of performances, uh, and Hikaru's name is being covered up by his head. So it's like, oh. Is is the reason why Akane didn't recognize her name because she's operating under a different title? No, she just she's just Hikaru Arakawa. I like mean, Akane is Akane Arakawa. It would make sense in the sense that you're like, I'm sure Akane's like not completely. I imagine she's like, I could know somebody else named Hikaru who was also a Rakugeka, uh, and maybe just didn't think that, like, uh, uh. Hikaru was going pro, or right. anything like that. I don't. I, I don't know. It seems like it's uh, like the reasoning's there enough that I'm like, yeah, nobody noticed until this exact moment. I mean, Akane also apparently is like a trained Rakugoka, and every time like somebody has to be like, you know, you should check the book to see what other people are doing, right? She's like, <laughs> oh yeah. Like so, she might just not like books. That might just be like a little Maybe. nugget of a uh, of Akane lore, a little nug that she just hates books. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> I guess I kind of could just have some sort of like you know kind of like tunnel vision where she's just very focused on certain or things. Or so. she hates books. Books killed her her dad. I mean, we know canonically <laughs> what is happening with her dad, but maybe like maybe like a book fell on her dad and gave him like a bump on the noggin, and that's why he didn't perform well or something like. Or maybe they did just kill him in between. We just haven't talked about it. Like a book fell. Uh, directly into his mouth and he choked on that's, that's the reason, that's the real reason why Akane is so passionate about Rakugo is because he's like I'm gonna show the world we don't need books yeah. for stories we can, just... we can all just get up on a stage in front of an audience and share stories we don't need these things these murder weapons anymore <laughs> let's burn them all burn the books <laughs> alright uh... like interesting you know if you just don't like to check you could say that instead of this whole elaborate anti-book statement <laughs> she's like you're not tricking me with this <laughs> so um even uh the kid who is also Iken Arakawa's apprentice is like wait you're a Ken's apprentice uh because uh Hikaru has deliberately been keeping her enrollment under an Arakawa master a secret up to this point uh mostly because of her acting career 
Uh, and she's like, yeah, I mean, like, honestly, he's kind of been directing it, too, because it's to, to help drum up public interest. And he's added some glitz and glamour to the event. Uh, but now that kind of shaken off her surprise, she's happy to see Hikaru. She's like, yeah, you know, if you're dedicated enough to join the school while you're still acting, that means you've gotten really sucked into the Rakugo Swamp, huh? So that's 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 our title. Oh, Rakugo so, taps for Black Banna. Yeah. Uh, you can cast well, a lot of zombies with this Rakugo. Akane sure knows how to make, you know, Rakugo seem really, really attractive for describing, like, getting into it as being sucked into a swamp. <laughs> she's just, uh, you know, she's in her own kind of flavor right now. You know, she's, I guess. Yeah, she's just like, yeah, it's like a like a disgusting, poopy swamp that you waddle into and, and play around like a pig. And they're like, is that supposed to be mm-hmm. appealing? She's like, is it not to you? Oh. Maybe I just maybe I'm just into different things. Yep. Um. So uh, Hikaru says, "Yep, uh, I am stuck here, and it's thanks to you. So watch closely, and you'll see how different I am from Hikaru Koragi, because she's she's Hikaru Arakawa while she's anyway. So, uh, she starts uh performing, and she introduces the story of the Miller's Torment." A story about Tokube the rice miller, lovesick for Maruyama the Oyaran. At the urging of a male geisha, he takes the Tenryo he saved up over 13 years and goes to see her. Uh, and uh, so she starts performing. And the main thing that people take away uh, in terms of her acting is that she's actually properly, properly conveying conversation between two people instead of going super over the top and and acting. She's 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 acting and uh so there's that and uh but everyone also immediately realizes that is familiar enough with her work that oh hikaru has to have learned this story from urara mm-hmm. and we cut to urara who is still who is hanging out with her apprentice and uh she's and who says so why did you agree to teach her and she's because she just came up to you and said hey you taught akane you should teach me too and or I was like, I mean, I like that she. I, I just kind of appreciated that she was blunt about that. You know, she didn't have any concern or shame about what others would think. Uh, and then, yeah, I taught them both uh, some stories that are suitable for for headliners. And uh, as Hikaru gets into it, uh, she Irar is saying that yeah, Hikaru has a certain charm to her that is not quite like my own. Her performance was closer, however, to mine than Akane's. And, and Hikaru does this big thing where she's acting in the role of the Oiran and she acts all flirty, I guess I'll call it that. Uh, it, she's, she's doing it. It's, char- holding it's, her it's charming, yeah. It's, it's, it is charming. And Arara says, like, look, you know, compatibility is everything in a performance. But even still, seeing an act from another performer of her generation that she herself wasn't able to do has to be unsettling to her. Because, of course, Akane could not play the role of the bewitching and charming Oiran. She had to go for a clumsy uh, interpretation of it. So seeing someone, hey, her own age, just master it in that way that she couldn't, sure, that'll push her. Uh, and uh, the big takeaway that uh, our journalist's friend is, has is, oh, I underestimated her. It's it's only been a year since the Kraku Cup, and she's grown this much. Uh, and um, there is this very um, 
kind of creepy role uh, shift in the story uh, about that the story takes and Hikaru starts to, to look really creepy. Her the color fades from her eyes as she as she says uh, so, and uh, how oh since he he couldn't see the oil on again the man went to ring the bell of torment uh, uh, because if you ring the bell you receive great riches but afterwards you will die and suffer in hell but he didn't care because he just wanted to see her so desperately that he would even risk eternal damnation for it and uh, she finishes the story and everyone in the crowd's like oh that was creepy okay carry on uh, so we have established that there are now three front runners from this part of the selection. There's Akane, there's Kaichi, and there's Hikaru, who are all uh, head and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah, it's good. Like, uh, I know I've been super critical of like Hikaru uh, showing up and being considered a threat. Um, I guess in my mind, this is just like this is like the match that you have before the big match. Uh, so that they can pick up a big win and carry some momentum. Uh, and I'm just like, yeah, I guess I just didn't... You could have just done this. I didn't need, the like, the three promos that, like, teased that this was going to happen or whatever. But I get that that's the thing going. I'm still not in a place where I particularly care that much about Hikaru. I don't find that... I don't find there to be that dynamic of, like, side elements to her. Like, it, it's like she, her personality is, is super interesting or too many like little details by that but like i'm intrigued now i'm down for it i'm still much more interested in the the other guy who has like a lot of like really cool like little facets about them but yeah good chapter i think overall there's definitely a stark contrast between the two of them because hikaru is you know this person who comes from another world she's already famous uh she you know was this person who kind of took things kind of casually and now is taking them more seriously uh and also she's you know She's Akane's age uh, and is kind of a reflection of her. And then there's Kaichi, who is this dad who, who is, just, <laughs> is really new to he's, stuff, but he's also really talented. Yeah, who after this performance is going to roast up a barbecue for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say what I... <laughs> Which one of you guys needs your air filters changed? <laughs> You're just like, all right, thanks. Thanks, Raku dad. <laughs> Raku dad. Uh, yeah, um, I guess we'll see what else there is to look forward to from this competition. I remember, this is only like the first half of it, too. Um, and, uh, it, it feels like we're in a weird sort of, we're in a weird kind of pace, I feel like, with the Kana Banashi, where it's kind of like we're, we're sort of breezing through a few of certain elements of it, it almost feels like. Uh, but I imagine that we're, we're going to be coming close to what feels like a big moment, which might not be the best for Akane uh, in terms of where she'll stand in terms of trying to reach her objectives. But uh, I hope we reach something soon. Speaking of something big, uh, so it's blue box time. It's uh, chapter number 96, Christmas Eve. And we get this uh, color page of, of, of uh, Chinatsu. Uh, looking all expressive, and uh, it's a it's a nice uh, nice little painting thing. So, Chinatsu uh, left behind her friends because she wanted to go and see Taiki about something, uh, 
And, but when she gets to Taiki's home, uh, he's not home yet. So she immediately leaves, and like, as Taiki's mom comes out, she says, Oh, well, congrats on winter. Oh, you're, she's oh, she's gone. Oh, okay. Well, maybe she went to the store. Uh, so Chinatsu goes back to the school. And she's looking for Taiki. Uh, there's uh, a bunch of people who are singing carols together, including members of the badminton club. Uh, Nishi is has decided to stop slave driving people. Uh, and uh, they, they take notice that Chinatsu has come by. And they're like, oh, didn't you have a game to get today? And she says, oh, I, I, I had to get something I forgot. So they invite her to the party. And they're like, yeah, the rock band's hosting a cool little Christmas concert. Uh, and uh, Taiki uh, is doing all the cleaning right now. And he said that he was fine with that arrangement. And Nishida says, oh, yeah, by the way, did Taiki's friend make it to your game? Because he gave her a ticket that, like, he challenged Matsuoka to a shuttle run competition and he ran until he could barely stand. So it must have been, like, really important to him. And it was kind of curious, you know, what kind of friend that is that he did all that for. Maybe she's Taiki's girlfriend and, and she not just gone. Uh, and uh, so they're like, all right, and they keep on partying. So Chinatsu keeps on looking around and she goes into, uh, like, the locker room and the, and the, and the storage room. And she comes across Taiki just singing Christmas carols to himself while decorating a little tree. Is it just, just, cute or terrifying? If I walk I mean, into it, a room... It depends on how good of a singer he is. <laughs> oh, so it's a town face. Because in my mind, I'm like, maybe he hears it from the next room and he's just adding into it. Because we can hear like a little bit of the melody, but it, it sounds like that's just him here, like singing that she hears. Later on, we hear other people singing and like carries in. Uh, but in my mind, I feel like it would be very terrifying if like, I walked in and someone was like jingle dead alone. Bells, <laughs> well, yeah, bells, <laughs> especially if they're singing it like that. The yeah, they, the room's dark except for a single spotlight that flickers directly down on them. <laughs> they're, they're scraping their hook hand along the wall as they go. <laughs> Blood dripping from the ceiling. Yeah, like, like that's definitely scary, right? Uh, I, I think that you're probably right that there's that he can j probably just make out the song. I was say I think it's really cute. Like if it. he just hears them next door and he's like, "But I'm over here working." But we're all singing the same songs. Yeah, some some very religious ones too. As we get into it. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, so Chinatsu, you know, opens up the door. Uh, and, and kind of barges it on him uh, while kind of like, eh, you're, you're singing by yourself. Uh, and uh, Taiki jumps and says, I thought you were a ghost. And Chinatsu says, should you have expected Santa? Which confuses Taiki, and rightfully so. But uh, yeah, he's, he's like, what, what about your game? What are you doing here? And she says, oh, we won. And uh, by the way, thanks for that ticket. And she smiles at him. And she says, I was able to make up Yumika thanks to you. And I hear you ran a ton in order to get it. And uh, Taiki just thinks to himself, somebody was talking about things they shouldn't have. He immediately knows it was Nishida. And he's like, yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's just, you know, a little run. Um, and uh, But Chinatsu says, you know, I knew the whole time that Yumika was troubled by something. But I figured if she wasn't going to talk to me about it, then I wouldn't say anything. And I regretted that so much. But today, I was able to make peace with some of that painful stuff, and I'm really grateful to you for that, Taiki. And uh, Taiki is initially blown away by this, but you know he 
does the awkward boy thing of like i'm going to uh you know brush try and brush this off you know no 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 emotion uh you know it's fine i can't handle this so i'm just going to act like it's no big deal and it's like yeah you know if you know, you don't have to thank me. You know, I, I know that you've been influenced in a lot of ways by Yumika, and you know I've been influenced by you. So all I did was return the favor. Aww. Uh, and uh, she kind of stares at him for a second. Uh, and uh, as they're sitting there, one of the ornaments uh, falls from the tree and rolls to the ground. And Shinatsu picks it up and uh, puts it in Taiki's hand. And they kind of stop there for a second. And she's staring at him while handing off the ornament, and she's dun dun. This is where this. this is where in a, a bad series you would just start hearing heartbeat sound effects. They're just looking at each other, and Shinatsu's got this nervous, I guess, expression on her face. Uh, and she starts to lean forward, and she just says, "I'm sorry, just for a little while. Let me hug you." And she just fully leans in and just wraps her arms around his shoulders and leans into him. That's so and, sweet. And there's the Christmas tree there, and there's caroling in the background while they're just while she's just holding him really close. It's so that, sweet, Nick. That's where we end. Stop it! <laughs> Stop those kids from being cute, Nick. Um, shoot them Taiki, 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 with your Taiki's with fun. your uh, like confetti gun. Be like, no, that's uh, what's more romantic. Shit. <laughs> uh, pl- pl- play really really loud music at them. No wait, that's what's happening right uh, now. Uh, <laughs> you know what song they should play, and it'll kill the mood. <laughs> uh, so many songs could kill the mood right now. I, yes. I was thinking a particular song I sent you earlier today. Oh, I don't, <laughs> don't want to say it because I jinxed myself once by talking poorly about uh, Linkin Park during a podcast. But uh, there is a, a, the, the, a, a different singer's take on uh, Breaking the Habit that uh, I don't know why you'd put onto an album. <laughs> I surely I, don't know. It, it, it was an album full of EPs and demos and stuff. And they're like, hey, let's do let's include the, the part where we hadn't finished breaking the habit. So Mike Shinoda, as like just a demo of like, here's where the lyrics will go. Quote unquote, sang <laughs> for Chester Pennington's part. I mean, it's worth it because you are like, look. You, you can't replace Chester. Like, no. <laughs> like it's clearly like that's that's a voice right there. But it's definitely one of those ones like you either have to have a great sense of humor or it's an accident that you put it on there. And you're like, oh, my God, no, I didn't put the one where I tried to <laughs> no. say breaking the habit. Did I never know? No one must ever know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think if that were playing, then everyone would be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, already they're like, I don't know if Breaking the Habit's really the most romantic song I could have played. And that's about, like, self-destruction. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for this chapter, yes, it's it's precious and wonderful. And uh, I I think that they're very being very, very cute. And, uh, and I think that it's, like, just kind of ends on a perfect note of, like, yes, they've gotten a lot closer to each other. But it's like not full on romantic 
just yet. Uh, There's a nice conclusion to this story arc of just, oh, isn't this sweet? Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, Nick, let's talk about our favorite chapter this week. Actually, that might not be an ironic thing. It It might be very close. It's it's up there. It's Morgan time, everybody. So it's Cypher Academy, chapter 19. Decode as fast as the wind. Quiet down quickly. (laughs) Invade and launch an air raid. Then remain as unstoppable as a dragonfly. I forgot this title until you started it. I started it. I was like, why is it so long? This is like some weird Furin Kazan shit right here. Like it's 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 some sort of take on the art of war, I think, but it's about codes and air raids for some reason. Uh, so just one more time, are. one more time. Decode, Decode as fast as the wind. That's 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 foo. Be swift as the wind in movement. Quiet down quickly. Be quiet as the forest. Invade and launch an air raid. Invade as as fiercely as fire. Then remain as unstoppable as a dragonfly. Mountain. Okay. Mountain is, is Fugger and Kazan. Is a mountain unstoppable? That feels more unmovable object. Yeah, I, I think I don't think it's unstoppable. It's like it's something along the lines of immovable or steadfast. So I was going to say, it's def- I see a mountain more like the blob than I do Juggernaut. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I, do. I do. Everyone remembers that iconic scene from X-Men Evolution where they decided who actually wins between the unstoppable force and the immovable object. The answer, of course, is Juggernaut. He's just a bigger he's caliber. He's a bigger caliber character than Blob. I'm sorry, Blob. I don't mean anything poorly by it. I'm just saying. Come on. It's it's the Juggernaut. You know, he's a big time villain. Uh, So I know... So, Quinn, you and I both play Marvel Snap. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen any of the cards that they've, like, apparently, like, the Battle. design is out there, yep. but they haven't actually put them out. Have you seen the one for the blob? Yeah, it's perfect for it's the just, blob. It's, nothing can move this card. <laughs> it is perfect. And I should note, in that case, Blob wins the fight between him and Juggernaut. So... Um, Unless, like, his ability has been, like, somehow canceled out. But well, yes. yes, if Juggernaut needs help to beat the Blob, then, yeah, I guess he wins. <laughs> if, if fucking Juggernaut teamed up with Leech to beat the Blob, I guess he's the victor. <laughs> there's, some, there's such weird cards in Marvel Snap. I'm just saying, canonically, it makes zero sense. You're correct. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> to get back to this point... Cypher Academy, it's it's the leading sergeant selection thing. Leading private, leading sergeant. I can't remember. Leading private, so I believe. It's leaky poker where everyone has... A, a, they're playing poker, but you can see everyone else's cards except your own, and all the cards are encoded, so you have to decrypt them in order to figure out what cards they are. So Iroha has just answered uh, anonymity requested... Uh, uh, rays of the of the big blinds uh by going all in with all five of his chips and they're staring down at, across each other uh, across the table at each other uh and as they get into that um oh gosh oh come on it's um come on it's uh uh Yosaimura is her name uh she she raised her hand and says hey uh, Iroha, you skipped my turn you're 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 across the table from each other, and I'm next in the betting order. So I get to go before you do that. 
She's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess you can go first. And and she puts in, is like, yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to bet three chips at, before Iroha makes his bet. And then Iroha is like, well, yeah, I, 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 I go all in to, to, to five. And he's like, I feel really stupid that I have to do this now. But Toshisai says, yeah, I, I fold. And uh, and Anemi requests is like, jerks, fine, I fold too. And you go somewhere and says, yeah, I fold too. So Iroha win, wins, the, wins the pot. And some of the students are like, wait, what the fuck just happened? Why did she do that? What, what's going on here? Uh, but uh, they, some of them kind of rev con to what's going on. You know, somewhere just says, yeah, now I can enjoy this because now it's more of a fair fight uh-huh. because she's helped to even the chip count out quite a bit. Uh, instead of Iroha being uh, at five, uh, being, you know, uh, less than half of everyone else. Now he is barely the chip leader with 13 and anonymity requested is at nine. So there's a much less of a, of a gulf there between them. Uh, and uh, she says also, you know, I didn't think it was fair that, you know, Iroha could do that cool thing uh, before and only have a single digit vote count. So, yeah, it, it was, this is my way of, of just playing fair. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, that's nice. Yep, it all uh, works. Yeah, so then uh, Toshisai's like, hey, I've got no disagreements with what you said, but uh, I'm still in second place here, so do you consider that to be appropriate? And Yosemara says, oh, come on! You know, it's impossible for me in one move to completely readjust all the votes. Plus, you lost to Uroha right after we enrolled, so sh- shouldn't you be second to him? <laughs> and so was like, no! Don't! <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> uh so Tosh says like all right yeah i'd only just gotten done forgetting about that so <laughs> uh so she's like i'm gonna fucking kick your asses now and she's glaring down everyone while making this very forced you know pleasant smile um uh, so they're like all right let's can we actually get this done here uh and uh we just get kind of a little bit of a skip in the action because everyone is so busy trying to decipher all of the cards that they're just kind of taking in turns, just folding around the table, uh, not making any big moves, just trying to gather more information as they're going around. Uh, and so we were always trying to figure out like, what's my strategy here. I can see 15 cards from my perspective per round. So I should be able to decode a number of them. So, for example, there's this card where it takes all the running you can do to keep in the same place. And I kind of recognize that as being from the Red Queen and through the Looking Class. And the Queen of Hearts is in Alice in Wonderland, the first book. So this must be the other Red, the Queen of Diamonds, right? Well, no, that's what I would have concluded a month ago. It is. And uh, so Yosemura has come to the same conclusion about it, which is... See, here's the thing. There's so many clues and so many of them are so simple in nature that it leaves you open to just kind of work yourself into logical circles, trying to trying to figure out which card it is when all of the cards are, of course, so similar to each other. Uh, And so she she says, for example, the Red Queen is uh, in reference not to the Queen of Hearts, but to the Black Queen in chess. So could that be the Queen of Spades? Could that be the Queen of Clubs? If you look into that further. 
So what the hell is it? Uh, it's probably a queen, but which one? Yeah. So they're mocking you, Nick. They're like, "We heard you on your little podcast. We heard you with yeah. your tiny effeminate penis." And you're like, "That's harsh." I don't know oh, why you had oh. to say that, but <laughs> I don't. I just thought it was probably a red queen. They're like, mm-hmm. with that tiny penis, you would. You're like, right, why is this the thing? <laughs> uh. They're like, you don't understand. We were giving you a clue. Tiny penis, obviously, ace of spades. <laughs> so we were trying to give you a clue for the course. You didn't break the code. You and your tiny penis can go. <laughs> Wait, so now that you're saying that it's the ace of spades, why are you still saying tiny penis? Like, oh, that's another part of the clue that you haven't solved yet. You don't understand. There's levels of us insulting your penis and giving you clues. You're like, I don't want any of these, though. <laughs> Seems a very, like, a very bizarre thing to attack me over. <laughs> you don't even know me. Why are you doing this? Listen, I'm making a point not to meet people who have tiny penises. <laughs> okay, anyhow, so uh, everyone's still trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, and the teacher is looking over uh, them playing and she says, like, look, the only way that you can really win is if each player uh, can confirm at least half of the 53 cards. And with a success rate of at least 50%, that probably won't happen until after the 10th round if they're fast. And then we get to the 8th round and Toshisai uh, in a very extra fashion holds up two poker chips on a fucking bullet and <laughs> says I'm betting two chips. She's impaled them. Like I want somebody to be like, you know we use those chips in our normal games. You didn't... <laughs> I guess we just won't anymore since you decided to impale them with a bullet. Uh, now they'll only be good for those th- for those games where we insult people with tiny penises. Just <laughs> like, look, I thought I my whole my whole thing is is like talking about butts, so I don't know why you guys. But I, and even yeah. I'm like, why are you, you guys, guys talking about these? Penises you guys so much? stick to your gimmicks. I've got mine, <laughs> and it's a real pain in my rear end, if you know what I mean. Am I at seven for the day? She's looking at her hands. She's like, I'm at seven. It. All right, three more. <laughs> And you guess what? She's got another thing, which is calling people piggy. Uh, hang on. Does Kogoe say anything about this? No, she talks about poker logic. It does nothing to do with why she's calling the, her opponents piggies. I guess because they're three little piggies and she's the big bad wolf, which I don't know if she knows how that story ends. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so she just points at everyone and points at their hands and says, Utilizing chances such as these is the key to leaky poker. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, and her, the, the point is, and some of the onlookers have to say, like, she probably has figured stuff out over the past eight rounds and has realized and she's been through all 53 codes more than once. So she understands enough to know that none of her opponents have a valid poker hand. And the chances of nobody in a game of four people playing poker having no possible hands beyond high card is extraordinarily low. So she has drawn a conclusion because her opponents don't have anything that she must have something. Uh-huh. And so she must be the winner for the hand. Uh, and uh, no, no explanation at all of like, what are the cards? What do they mean? We get to see what they are, but we don't know what they mean still. Uh, and 
but yeah, Toshisai says, did you really think that after seeing Iroha show us how to sniff out the right answer in the first round, that I wouldn't learn anything from that? That only the main character puts forth effort in the shadows, master. Because, oh yeah, someone's been brought up the fact that she's technically supposed to still be Iroha's servant, and she's still pretty pissed off about that. Uh, so, Iroha and the others call, uh, but Tayu from the side is like, yeah, if she won the moment that she made them all bet, even if she loses in terms of hands. So everyone shows their cards and they're like, yeah, the victor is, is Toshisai. Uh, so that drags everyone down by a couple of chips and brings Toshisai all the way up to 23 chips, which is more than half of all the, all of the chips in play. And she says, has this idiom ever been used before? staring at a bunch of pig butts. What the fuck are you talking about? I have been trying to think so hard. I'm like, what is a censored word? Like, what what vulgarity could she possibly put there? Because, like, in, like, an alliterative way, shit staring at a bunch of pig butts makes the most sense, but then she's calling herself shit. So I guess, yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't ever want to know what it is. I don't want if this series becomes the biggest series in the world and at the end of it you know it's like well here's what i meant to put in those i don't want to know i don't want to know i don't want to know the answer because it's so much fun thinking about what it is because every time you think of a new word you're like oh like maybe it's like the c word and you're like no again she is calling herself that (laughs) you're like none of this seems to, to to gel uh yeah i don't really get it either uh, all I know is that uh, Toshisai is going full Kaiba mode and she's got Magnum six shooter clips in her hair for this shot. And <laughs> well, I think, she, yeah. Oh, does she not always have those? I thought that was just like a part of her, her aesthetic, but those are the front ones. I guess she doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah, I do love that she has uh, tiny Gatling guns in her hair. <laughs> so, yeah, um, this was, I think, a very good. I mean, just in terms of like, okay, here's the big final showdown for this part of the story, at least. Uh, yeah, let's give each of these competitors a chance to shine. Uh, and a good way to start off is with fucking Toshisai, who is, you know, our big, you know, deuteragonist slash rival character. So, yeah, let's, let's fucking do that. And you know, presumably we'll get something from Yosemura and then it'll probably look like an anonymity request is going to win. And then we'll see how it goes from there. So. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Nick. Let's say goodbye. Yep. It's chapter 29 of Ginka and Luna. Leave the memories alone. Ginka and Luna. Yeah. Because I want to say the way it is. Carry on, Nick. I'm just going to do this in the okay, background. Okay. Well, well, the fact that you're talking about memories is appropriate, I guess. So... A year has passed since uh, Ginka came up with his plan to try and restore Luna's memories. And uh, we see that all our favorite characters are here. And Ginka is casting a spell. Uh, and uh, there's a big summoning circle and lots of like branches of like crystal or something like that surrounding them as cool. he's trying to. It's like, like an underwater world. I guess it is coral. It does definitely look like it. Yeah, now you say it. Uh, so yeah, for the past That's year, where everyone's the bubble been... fruit comes from, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> start that argument fruit. all over again. 
I won that argument. I know. So. I've I've had to defer to you at this point, but now I have the return pick. I'm like, Nick, no, it came from the ocean in a series that only existed seven or eight years later. It floated up from here, and then yeah. it went up to where yeah. Tori And then it appeared like, you know, you, you just had to become a good enough chef to see it. Come on. <laughs> you tiny penis bitch to listen to me. Damn it. <laughs> the girls from that that code solving school told me to say that to you. <laughs> they said it'd be a little hit you needed later. God, <laughs> they're so vicious and like very focused on me for some reason. <laughs> they tell me it's for different clues, but they just keep saying the same thing. <laughs> So everyone's been trying to research ways to help restore Luna's lost memories. And they are now trying to employ an ancient form of magic. And everyone's like, come on, Luna, remember, remember, Luna. And uh, Luna just looks at them all and says, ah, yeah, sorry, I feel the same. Hasn't gotten many of her memories back. So everyone's like, uh, sucks. And they all go and they hang out in a, in a cabin uh, in, in, in the winter and they're all depressed except for Luna's like, oh, I'm sorry guys, I'm sorry it didn't work out. Uh, but Ginga thinks to himself that there are three principles of magic. One, I can't kill anyone. Two, I can't make anyone fall. Sorry, wrong three principles of magic. <laughs> you can't bring back the dead back to life, you can't go back in time, and you can't heal a wounded soul. That says, last one feels it. like horse shit. That last one it's feels a little bit. You're like, all right, I get it. You can't go back in time. Fine. You can't bring somebody deck somebody back. God. You can't heal a wounded soul. You're like, so if somebody's like, my house burned down, I'm really wounded about it. You can't be like, I've restored your I was like, I tried. I know there's a spell to build houses, but if I tried, it repairs your wounded soul. Anyway, law of magic. Good luck living in the snow. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to go build an unrelated house. You can't live in it because that will repair your soul, so don't go in there. Yeah, you'll kill us all. So please don't. Principle of magic number one. The rich get richer and the and the miserable stay miserable because their souls are already fulfilled and happy. Yours are sad and depressed, and thus, if you benefit from it at all, it'll violate one of the three principles of magic. Anyway, uh, that's why your cat's staying dead. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> I do wish somebody was just like, maybe the rule should just be you can't you can't bring back memories or something like that. If there's apparently a magic spell that allows you to trade memories for magic power. No, I want to be more esoteric about this. <laughs> Listen, we can't we can't use magic for to uh, for this purpose. Then what would happen to all the psychiatrists? They'd be out of a job, and that would be cruel. Yeah. Like, Luna's showing up with hot chocolate. She's like, I got hot chocolate for everybody. They're like, no! That'll heal my wounded soul! <laughs> smash! <You> smash! <laughs> it sizzles through the ground like acid. <laughs> you almost killed us all, you fool. Uh, yeah, so Ginka flashes back to uh, a time when he was training with Luna and she was trying to make a flower grow with magic, that first very important spell that she was trying to learn. Uh, but uh, Ginka uh, thinks to himself that Ginka used memory, that Luna rather used memory magic to gain an incredible amount of power. And that power has been messing her up ever since. Uh, so, but he's like, if, you know, if she's just messing up with basic magic like this, then this is as far as she's ever going to get. Uh, Back in the present, uh, 
Anemone and Beretta and the twins from that dark magic guy are all walking with Luna and they're walking in the snow and she's and they're like, Oh, so this is where you grew up on this mountain? All and Beretta is like alone. <laughs> That's awkward. So she asks Luna, like, hey, have you remembered anything? And Luna's like, well, I grew up here all by myself. Uh, I was alone. I know that. But why do I feel this way? And she is also thinking of that moment where she was trying to make the flower grow. But, of course, Ginka is not in her memory, even though she's talking to someone, saying, like, it's not a failure. It's not a failure. And she's like, I've, I've seen this in my memory so many times, but it feels like something is missing. But why? Uh, and, uh, so they're all hanging out and they go out on a frozen pond and, uh, and Emmy's like, I want a fucking, I want fresh fish. <laughs> so Perez like, yeah, so we're going to open up a hole with magic. Uh, and Emmy's like, okay, but don't crack the part you're sitting on. She's like, I'm not stupid. It's like, aw, look at them arguing like a cute couple that they definitely are, Aww. or at least they are in my, in my brain. So. <laughs> But Luna just uses her magic and just lifts up a cube of water with fish in it, uh, like uh, Ginka did a long ass time ago. And she thinks, and she says, it's strange. It's really strange, isn't it? Because she knows that something is missing from this memory, too. And she's crying in spite of herself. But Ginka comes racing up to them, uh, and he says, Luna, there's something I want to say to you. You might not understand what I'm saying. When I said that there's nothing a magician can't do, I lied. That was just something I said in the spur of the moment to make you feel better. There will always be some wishes that magic just can't make come true, even wishes that may matter more than anything in the world to you. And he thinks back over his failures, you know, like trusting, uh, the villain Magaraka whatever Uh you can't he said thinks you can't go back in time and you can't redo what you wish you'd said when thinking of his sister you can't bring the dead back to life you can't bring lost memories back yeah see if you say it, if you put it that way it sounds a lot better doesn't yeah. it yeah so, <laughs> sounds easy Ellie change yeah. the rules up over in uh <laughs> abject magic rule land huh they're like yeah, yeah. There was some blowback. But Ginka thinks to himself, still, I choose to believe. And he thinks back to what Luna told him in that moment when he was worried that she wasn't progressing, which was even though she didn't make a flower grow, she was able to make little buds sprout. And she says, look more closely. I did better than I did yesterday. And Ginka approaches Luna and he says, my name's Ginka. Let's be friends. We're going to go travel the world together and maybe... That'll bring help bring some memories back. And he thinks to himself, no matter how long it takes, I choose to believe we will bring her memories back. And then it's like, okay, well, how about the ocean? I've always wanted to see the ocean. Oh, but you might melt if we go there. I'm sure it'll be fine. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's supposed to be a beat of her, her just smiling, looking at his face and being like, oh, he's so confident. I guess it'll work. But it really does, yeah. like, in that moment, feel like, Oh, but if you melt, you might melt if we go there. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Let's go. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, so, yeah, the last shot is of the two of them you know, reaching their hands out to each other. And instead of being on a frozen pond, they're out at the beach, uh, you know, showing, hey, these two are going to keep on having adventures together. And they as they kind of touch hands, uh, they say, let's go. And the series ends. Uh, 
So, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's a bit bittersweet. I mean, we knew this was coming for quite a while at this mm-hmm. point. It feels like uh, that, like, look, the series is going to end. It's going to end prematurely. Uh, get ready for it. And here it is. And although it wasn't the best, like, rushed conclusion I've seen from a series, I do like the note that we have ended on here of, like, look, not everything's going to be better all at once, but I'm if we keep on going, then I trust that there's going to be a happy ending out there at some point. And they had many more adventures together. So it makes you feel bittersweet because, like, you know what? I do wish that I could have followed them on this, uh, the rest of those journeys. But we can't. Series got canceled. Yeah. Uh, this is what fan fiction is for. Um, yeah. I... I don't have, like, super strong feelings on this series. I kind of feel like it became less interesting as it, like, reached that point of, like, oh, this is clearly being canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we introduced Locke for him to not matter whatsoever. <laughs> like, Pretty not, much. Yeah. Not even, like, any kind of conclusion for that character who hated Wizards. I don't think he gets a line in this chapter. Yeah. So. I, like, like, straight up, like, nothing about that character. Uh, then there's, like, the little detail. It's, like, Magaraka still out there, mm-hmm. and that's not addressed. Of like, are we gonna deal with like the 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 dark magic god at some point? Or like, well, no, the adventures continue, so presumably they will at some point. Um, but it is like an odd thing of like, why wouldn't she have just? Why didn't she just say she defeated him that? And I guess it's so you don't take away the drama of uh, Ginka's flashback of like, oh, you unleashed that evil into the world but we did kill it so i guess it all works out. yeah <laughs> uh so i guess they just like there's a little like um funkiness there um but by by and large i think the series was not bad um i i, I think that there is some interesting ideas behind it it certainly has some of the more wild ideas in terms of like what they are willing to do to characters in a lot of series like Mm-hmm. That Shahrazad fight is like unlike anything I've really <laughs> seen in most uh, series, even battle manga. So, you know, I think there's there's some creative ideas. I think it uh, maybe just didn't catch on this time. Um, but I, I'm curious to see when this mangaka comes back again. Uh, Shinpei Watanabe uh, potentially, I think, uh, could have another really good series uh, with like a little. Maybe a little more juz to it or something like that. Yeah, I, ho- I hope that this proves to be, you know, but overall beneficial to Watanabe's uh, career uh, and that uh, they're able to learn from this and that their next series is better, all the better for having uh, had this one published first. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll just have to, you know, see what the future holds. Uh, and uh, I think that that's, you know, really what this is all about. Uh, it's just like, hey, you know, look ahead to the future optimistically and uh that's what we'll do indeed all right nick movies 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 movies. all right so our latest series in weekly shonen jump is tenmaku cinema uh which is by yuto sukuda and shun seiki the duo that did food wars shokugeki no soma oh is it the author from food wars as well it's both of them. Oh, yeah. okay. Wow. I th- All right. Interesting. Yep. Uh, and uh, shockingly, uh, like no fan service in this. In this yeah. <laughs> Nick, let's say yet we don't know where this series might go. Yet. 
Uh, so we opened the story we'll in We'll read a this movie dude's theory. script, and he's like, the first page, the bikini car wash is open. <laughs> <laughs> ah, truly only one of the great <laughs> masters of cinema can direct this. I should have looked at the title, Bikini Car Wash. <laughs> Extreme. Without an E, it just starts with the X. Oh, boy. Um, so we start this off with a bizarre figure uh, appearing in a not-so-crowded uh, cinema. There's only, like, four people in the theater watching what looks to be, like, a classic samurai film. Uh, and he thinks to himself, who will it be? And then he goes to one of them in particular uh it's a, a young man whose arm that he grasps and you can see the indentations of his fingers on the on the boy's uh, arm as he grips it and that's where we get our uh our title tenmaku cinema and uh following up on this we get a much more thorough introduction to this kid uh who is just 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 a movie loving guy uh, he has a quote scoring system for movies, uh, which at first it looks like he's going to, you know, be like really harsh on stuff because he's going over like mm, minus two points because the protagonist acting was kind of weak minus half a point because I feel like the, the director likes to do this kind of story a lot, but everything else is plus 800 million points. So he, he, he loves movies. And he loves just watching movies. Uh, he introduced himself as Hajime Shinichi. Uh, th and he says, like, look, I used to be, like, really sick when I was little. So the only time is that I got to actually, like, see anything beyond, like, really plain rooms was through movies by watching stuff on screens. Uh, so that's where this love of film developed from. And now he's part of this film appreciation club. He's the, he's the head of it. And he just spends all of his time after class in this club watching movies and just loving them. Um, and uh, so everyone's like, okay, yeah, we get it. You, you like the movies. Like, can't you guys appreciate how great this movie is? They're like, I mean, look, we like movies, but we like movies like normal people. Uh, we're just here because, you know, you asked us to be here. And one of the uh, members of the club says, if you love movies so much, why don't you make your own? And he's like, how dare you take movies so lightly? And he's like, look, an amateur can't just fucking make a movie. There's so much you have to do. Movies are the manifestation of wit and intellect, the fruits of the passions of cineasts. I think that's how you pronounce that. I'm not sure. Uh, so anyway, he's like, look, I can't make a film. I'm too busy enjoying watching them. Uh, so... Uh, he starts to uh, go over like he, he also starts to take fill some paperwork. But when he reaches for a pen, he pauses he's like, oh, I'll do it another day. Uh, and uh, we get a little bit more of him. We learned that he's 14 years old. So he's in his last year of junior high. Uh, and then we catch up to him when he's in class. So it's like a bit more of like his regular life. Uh, so he tries to answer a question that he, when he's called upon verbally, but it's a math problem. So the teacher's like, no, fucking get up to the board and answer it like a normal person. So he goes up and as he takes the piece of chalk, those finger indentations appear around his arm again and take him over. And it says, give me your arm. And it just writes it on the board over and over and over again. Uh, and so, yeah, this this spirit is possessing him and is controlling his him by grabbing his arm and forcing it to do stuff. So people think that he's just a Chunibyo because he's acting like literally his arm is possessed, which is just straight up a stereotype for dorky Japanese youths of, of around this age. 
So nobody's taking him seriously or realizing anything is wrong. Uh, and uh, so he's trying to deal with this because he knows that something has been messed up with him since he got possessed first at the theater. But he hasn't been directly addressing the fact that what's going on is that there's a ghost that's haunting him because he's in denial over. It. He's like, look, no one's saying anything to me. There's not actually a ghost grabbing my arm. Clearly, there's something else. I must just be having stress for problems. But eventually, he gets fed up with the ghost, constantly talking to him. And he's like, stop it. Stop being a weird ghost. And so the ghost's like, oh, you do realize I'm here. Cool. I can talk to you normally. Hello. <laughs> Good. Now we can formally introduce ourselves. Now we can do the plot of this story. Thank you. <laughs> so the, the ghost introduced himself to Shinichi as Takihiko Tenmaku. And uh, Tenmaku says, like, look, I, I write scripts for movies and I'm dead now. Uh, so I literally can't write a script. I was just stuck in that theater floating around until you came by and I was able to possess you. Aren't you lucky? All right. Uh, right before I died, I was collaborating with a director on a script uh, and we were going over it. It was going to be our masterpiece. And now I'm dead. Uh, so now I need you to basically write down the script as I dictated to you and then we'll send it to the director and then my movie will get made and then I'll be able to pass on. Won't that be great? And Shinichi's like, no, I've got my own life to live. And he starts arguing with him while he's standing in the middle of the street. And there it's, it's that kid from, uh, 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 we, we never learn and his mom oh, like, yeah. what's going it, on straight up like the what's going on like, oh, kids, just keep kids. moving honey <laughs> um so yeah he, he he's like look i this is movies are just my hobby i, I don't have time for all this so the so tenmaki says what if i threaten to strangle you and he <laughs> uses his scarf to start strangling shinichi and uh, he's like, yeah, I've learned that there are certain things I can do to your body. I was experimenting on you while you slept. <laughs> like he was strangling me while I slept? Yeah, isn't that great? Now I can. I, I learned that my that my scarf is prehensile. <laughs> You're like, mm. um, So Shinichi's like, okay, fine. I've got stuff to do and I can't get out of this. So I'll write your stupid script. But he, th he tries to look on the bright side and is like, hey, you know, I'm a big movie fan. This means I'll get to, you know, kind of actually learn from a, from a professional screenwriter firsthand. Uh, but then he says, like, oh, by the way, who am I going to be delivering this to? I hope I know, you know, where I can reach them. And Tanaku says, oh, yeah, I'm sure you've heard of him. He's, he's Ryu Shir Shirakawa. And freaking <laughs> Shinichi is a on top of just being a regular movie fan is apparently a mega fan of Shirakawa. He's got essentially all of his movies uh and he's like yeah yeah that's that reissue you're you're familiar with him and so tenmaku tenmaku is you know like yeah all right good and shinichi tosses the pen away he's like i'm not gonna write for you he's like no reissue is an amazingly legendary director just how old are you supposed to be because you look kind of young uh he's like well uh i'm a third year in high school because look i've still got my my, my badge from from high school when i died so i'm 18 years old and Shinichi's like how the how how does someone your age know Ryu Shirakawa? That's impossible. That you're disrespecting cinema. Uh, uh, so Demek is like, oh, how do I prove to you that I know who that I know Ryu Shirakawa? I mean, like, I, you've got to believe me. But Shinichi comes to a more important realization, which is, I guess, it doesn't actually matter if you knew him or not, 
because uh, he's been dead for 20 years. Uh, so it's impossible for me to deliver your script to him. And Timak is like, wait, what? Hold on. Hold on. What's that say? It's 2023. Okay, so I've been dead for 30 years. Yay! So he's he's fine. So, yeah, I mean, being in a movie theater without any point of reference of the outside world, essentially, has ruined his frame of reference. Hasn't he just been like, oh my god, look at the garbage that's been playing <laughs> Like, they're like, yeah, that's the theater where we mostly just play Adam Sandler movies. Just like, oh god. <laughs> no! Uh, so when did you think that Grown Ups 2 came out? I don't know, 1995? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was peak Sandler era. <laughs> that was when it was good. <laughs> he and all of his friends just hanging about, getting to go to lavish places. You don't get better art than this. <laughs> uh, so Tenmaku's not doing so well. He's like, well, I, I mean, I guess I'm just going to be stuck wandering the earth forever because the guy that I was wanted to make the movie with is, is also dead. So there's no way that my dream can be realized. My movie will remain incomplete forever. Uh, but uh, Shinichi's like, well, maybe there's some other way, other thing that we can do. And uh, time goes by. Shinichi is, you know, continuing to go to class. Uh, he's trying to ponder this problem of like, what do I do to get rid of Tenmaku and send him to the afterlife? While he is at school and pondering over this, uh, a bunch of people start to make a ruckus outside as they're gathering around a female student, uh, Himeki, who uh, is a, a celebrity actress who also attends their school, uh, attends their school occasionally. They specifically mention like, yeah, she's fucking busy with her career all the time. So she doesn't actually stop by the campus all, all that much. Um, so she, she goes out to try and uh, see her. Uh, and uh, we get, you know, a, a brief shot of her. And I, I do have to admit that I admire the, the artistic quality and restraint that Shinseki has here. It's like, okay, look, I'm not going to sexualize this girl. I will still make it look like she's very, very, very pretty. And it's like, okay, yeah, you did a good job with that. Her <laughs> eyes are nice looking. Yeah. Round you didn't sexualize the 13-year-old. Good job. Shinseki. Round of applause for not doing an upskirt shot again. Well done. <laughs> Bravo that her shirt didn't fly off in our first look, introduction to her. Look, I put the bar on the floor and you stepped over it. Good job. There you go. Sometimes it's all you need to do. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, it's not really clear exactly why he went out to see her, but I guess it's just he loves fucking movies. And so he wanted to see a real life actress up close, I guess. I guess that was it. Uh, so they talk about her a little bit and, and you know, uh, and Shinichi's friends are talking about like, oh, yeah, she's freaking gorgeous. Her her eyes are like bottomless wells and she's but she's really quiet, uh, uh, despite the fact that on screen she's dazzling and stuff. Uh, and Shinichi's like, if only you were this enthusiastic about movies in general. It's like, yeah, well, they're 13 year old guys. What do you what do you want, dude? So mm-hmm. um, but uh He's also a big expert on uh, Himeki's uh, career uh, because he's just a big cinephile. And so he actually goes through like, oh, yeah, her acting skills really improved between this movie and this movie. So he knows her career inside out. Uh, he also says that she's not the type of person I can just talk to as a movie fan. It's my role to watch her from a distance. Okay. 
uh, you made that uh, sound as creepy as possible, uh, but uh, good job. So, uh, but he, I guess, was just thinking maybe she would have known how to solve my problem because she's in movies? Question mark. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whatever. He is. Thir- he's a thirteen-year-old kid, I guess. Uh, so he had some. Tenmaku has basically just been trying to conduct a bunch of different exorcist rituals on himself to get himself sent to the afterlife, uh, but none of it's been working. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, he's also been watching movies all day, uh, and she, she, she's been honestly fairly accommodating. He's like, here, have this have this tablet, watch movies on it. And he's like, I can't use it to freaking, I can't browse on it. You have to, you, you have to skip through stuff for me. I want to rewind here and stuff, so... Shinichi's like, shit, this is a mistake. I never should have played this out. <laughs> now, now, now he just needs me to do everything. He's like a fucking child. Yeah, I've got to babysit him and stuff. And there's a, a montage of, of Tenmaku like interrupting him while he's eating, interrupting him while he's in the bath. And he's like, can you turn up the volume? Can you play the last scene? Wakes him up in the middle of the night. I want another movie. <laughs> it's kind of precious. Yeah. Um, yeah, so while he's up in the middle of the night putting on a new movie for Tanaku, he's like, hey, so the movie you were going to make with director Shirakawa, uh, what was it going to be about? Maybe there's, you know, some sort of hint into how we can help you to pass on. And Tanaku's like, oh, that's the secret. So he throws something at him. He's like, fuck you! Get out of my house! <laughs> um, so Tanaku says, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you the title. It's called The Fang. Uh, so Shinichi's like, okay, well, how about this? We'll find another good director and we'll send it to them. But Tenmaku says, nah, there's nobody in this world who could ever possibly replace Mr. Shirakawa. I told myself I could die if you were willing to make the fang. That's how special the story is. Although maybe Steven Spielberg can make it or George Lucas. <laughs> I, the Lucas one's very amusing to me because you're like, when's this take place? <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, even if like he died in 1993, it's like George Lucas is a little bit of a weird choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, See, he, he must not have played the prequels for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the Spielberg one now makes uh, a tiny bit more sense. Oh, sure. It's also interesting that he, he'll name drop, name drop actual like directors here, but well, yes. uh, uh, whatever the fake name they're, they're giving to the Kurosawa XP is yes. labeled that way, I assume, in case they have to actually meet him in like a flashback or something like that. Maybe. Yeah, so um, Shinichi is like, like you know, they kind of like have casual conversation where he's like, by the way, Disney bought Lucas. <laughs> Which admittedly, like, it's still... A timely enough reference that I'm like, yeah, that is still kind of weird. It <laughs> that is, is a good yeah. way to blow someone's mind. Like, what? <laughs> Do they still make uh, excellent movies? You're like, mm, well, <laughs> how about you get back on that uh, <laughs> that iPad? And we're gonna show you some classic Disney boned Lucas films. <laughs> well, they do make a lot of movies. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, but you know, he realized like, you know, maybe if the right person does appear, he would be able to pass on if that person can make Tenmaku's dream come true. Uh, but you know, we go on to the next day It's the morning Shinichi's got to fucking go to class and Tenmaku's trying to stop him by grabbing an umbrella and hooking him around the neck with him. He's like, no, you need to stream more movies for me. If you're not home, who will press play? Which <laughs> is a very selfish thing to do. Um, 
And uh, but so he's you know following him after him, and he's like, "Stop following me!" He's like, "But I have to keep following you because if I don't follow you, then I'll just be stuck in your house because I'm possessing you. So the only the only places I can be are with you or at your house. So come home and stream movies for me because that's <laughs> the best way to live." Uh, but uh, she she uh, you know sees you know oh a crowd has gathered because Himeki's you know freaking entourage and uh, and admirers have gathered around her again, and uh, he's like oh yeah oh Kurai's over there there she is she's always super popular and Tenmaku spots her and freaking like a black aura starts to surround him as he takes in her features, and there is just this big two page spread of him looking at her from from the background while she just kind of you know is focused and walks by. And like a, a trailer basically flashes through his head of like scenes from his in uh, his uncom- incomplete film uh, and lines from it as well as he imagines it. And he just acts and just drags Hajime with the umbrella uh, through the school, sits him down at a desk scribbles out at hyperspeed uh, a a script or, or at least part of a script and he's like holy shit my my creative juices are flowing i've it did i it feels like i got a temporary surge in spirit power and i've got total control of his arm and i can write this out uh, oh actually he didn't go to the school he went back he went to, back home to, to his mom home. sees him it's home. like what the fuck's happening? Like, what's happening cuz he's like he's passed out but his arm is moving yeah uh, <laughs> There's no, there's no like conclusion or follow up to it either. Like, no, nope, we don't find out what happened with the his mom. mom's. Just like, all right, good luck. Closes the door. So then Shinichi gets taken back to school and is forced to approach, uh, approach, God Himeki, and uh, it staggers forward like a zombie. And Tenmaku reaches up with his hands and makes his mouth move and says, I wrote this for you! Please play this role! Hajime Shinichi will film you! Uh, And it's actually pretty creepy because it looks like this ghost is just piloting a zombie body. Uh, And then he stops the possession and Shinichi, who has been unconscious for hours, collapses on the spot. He wakes up in the uh, freaking school uh, nurse's room and uh, he's, he's like, what the hell just happened? I remember everything that happened. Uh, Tenmaku has just probably ruined my social life by having me act that way. Uh, but uh, he's like, oh, you know, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, she's a famous actress. Surely she won't take what he had me say seriously. Himeki comes into the nurse's office. She has the script in hand. And she holds it up and says, uh, What's this? Uh, and Shinichi says, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forget anything about that." She says, "I accept. I would be delighted to play the lead role. That is what I've come to say." And she again just looks completely serious while she says this. Uh, but she's on a tight schedule. She says she has to go. See you tomorrow, director. Uh, and Hajime is like, has uh, something very, very, uh, very, very good to say in response to this, which is. Huh? <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> Do what now? <laughs> and uh, Tenmaku is floating over his head, taking a nap, while Shinichi is dealing with the situation he's found himself in, where he's been forced to become a director, with Tenmaku as his writer, and uh, his classmate as his star. So, hey, 
did a lot to establish what the hell is going to go on with this story. There is definitely some parts of this that are reminiscent of the one shot that this team did a couple of years ago uh, in terms of like, you know, there being like ghostly possession stuff. Uh, but they ended up going more in the direction of uh, like Hikaru no Go than uh, a, an exorcist type of series. Um, I'm interested to see where this goes next. Uh, the artwork for this team is as good as ever. And uh, the we're on chapter one, so it'll probably be a while before the story is ruined by the plot twists. So, <laughs> uh, Nick, I love movies. I love movies about movies. I like TV shows about movies. I love manga about movies. I don't care how bad this series is. It's going to be a 10 out of 10 for me that I'm going to watch that out every week. I don't have a veto right now, technically, but I want you to know that subconsciously I am using it already on this series. I just want to read more about this series. I don't even think it's particularly that great. Uh, I just love stuff about movies, so I'm all down for this. Yeah, well, we'll see how the next two weeks go. Uh, I mean, it'll you be literally, very impressive. Next chapter it, could be Yes, the movie Bikini Car Wash 17 or whatever you handed me. That's the movie I want to... The role you gave me of Bikini Girl. That's right. She had no name and she's the lead. It really spoke to me. I'd still be like, Nick, I am down for this. They're going to talk about directors or stuff like Shinichi, that. Shinichi, I was fascinated by your direction of her boobs bounced a lot. <laughs> Most directors... How much, would, how much do they bounce? I need to know for my performance to be... <laughs> Uh, you say that after I'm done doing the bikini car wash, I then go home and do <laughs> bikini homework. <laughs> I do bikini cooking. These every 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 page is a new direction for me to go in. <laughs> bikini Netflix. It's incredible. This is truly this is artiste. Uh, oh boy. I don't know. Yep. I'm, I'm excited uh, to see where it goes. I like, uh, I like that. Uh, Nick, let's Whoa. talk about Mashal. We got a Mashal to talk about. Yes. Magic let's and Muscles do that. 151, uh, Lance Crown, and the final holdout. By the way, guys, you should go check out the first episode of the Mashal anime if that's what you're That's into. right. It is out. And you got a fun little funky end credits, too. Uh, so everyone's pretty pooped. Uh, we, we get Caldo Gehenna. Or no, Ryu Grant, sorry, I mixed two of them up all the time. And Rain, who are basically like, we're more or less done. So we are going to put our magic power into you, Mash. So they're like channeling their power. Meanwhile, Innocent Zero is just trying to take everyone down. He's like, you'll never defeat me. And Finn's like, yep, that's right. All we're going to do is capable of giving him a little bit of time. But Mash gave a coward like me a reason to go and change. He saved me time and time again, so now it's my time to save him. And he's about to be attacked by a bunch of those little clock hands. And he changes it, swaps places with it. It's at zero, so it's at zero. It's like, ah, and I have to dodge my own attack, you bitch. Uh, Dot fires off a, a Gatling gun of machine guns. We get a little bit from him of talking about, like, you know what? I'm not, like, super crazy powerful like you, Mash. I'm not maybe the main character, but... I'm going to put it all on the line like you so we can play board games together and hit up the shops. Aww. Yeah, it's that's very sweet. It's very sweet. He, shout, he shouts out. Let's graduate from Easton together. Activates his uh, thirds, I believe, with the machine gun cross. Just starts firing. Uh, 
there's a big gravity spell, and uh, Lance has like a little floating uh, planet next to him. I don't know if that's one of his earrings that's just like disconnected there, or or if it's it just does floating. look like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Have I not noticed he had a little planet earring this whole time? I'm dumb. I'm very dumb. Uh, but Dot, or not Dot, Lance is like, it's not over. He's he's preparing for another attack. Uh, he's like, oh, one holds, one one will you act as a decoy while another holds me down, and then someone else moves into attack. A decent, albeit patchwork formation. And then they just like, poof. Wait a minute. <laughs> and the gravity Ow. just keeps increasing. Uh, Lance gives his little speech now about, like, MASH, if you and I had ever met, maybe saving my sister wouldn't be taking so long, but... I also would not be able to face her with my head held high. It has been an honor to know you. And he fucking goes like nine tail chakra fucking like spirit energy all over the place. And I'm like, what? He has this much power with all of these injuries. Is he truly a mere first year? He does this big gravity attack, basically a barrage of just things continuously impacting on top of it. It's at zero. Get in the uh, ground! Go down! Go downward! Go in your hole! <laughs> pretty much. Uh, just smashing him further and further down. Uh, we see Rain pass out after giving his power, and, and uh, Ryu's like, ah, oh, he's given every all he has, but we've increased his mash's chance of getting back to full strength. And now I, too, have reached my limit. And we end the chapter as both of them have fallen. They're like, it's up to you now, mash. This is... Presumably, actively, the last holdout, unless, like, four more characters show up. Like, in my mind, I'm like, Margaret could still show up. Maybe, uh, what, the Capriccio Salad or whatever his name, Cappuccino, whatever his name is, maybe he shows up a little bit. Or, like, the My Hero Academia characters who haven't shown up for that fight started showing up for this one. (laughs) Yeah, the reporters show up here. I'm like, okay. All right. Hey, look, it's those two guys that were kind of angry at Class 1A, and then they started dancing at the end. They're here now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's uh, go over to the Elusive Samurai, Chapter 105, Ruler 1335. It's a big battle now between the Ashikaga Cavalry, headed by a bolthead dude, uh, uh, from the Imagawa clan. You know, Imagawa had the horse thing. He wears a bull mask instead. And they're like, oh, man, that guy's armor, our horse is wearing armor. He's got, a, he's a strong horse. He paid for the DLC, arrows. Nick. Yeah, fucking asshole showing off his fucking, I spent 20 bucks on this thing that'll be obsolete in a patch. <laughs> uh, so, so Fubuki immediately realizes, oh, this guy must be from the Imagawa clan. Uh, and everyone's really worried because, like, okay, there's there's a lot of really heavily armored warriors here. They could tear our lines to pieces. But Fubuki says, it's all right. I got this. I've uh, prepared for this. And uh, a bunch of rafts from upstream come blasting in, attacking the mounted warriors. And uh, they start at- attacking them. And they're like, all right, we've wicked their flanks, which leaves the leader exposed. And Ayako and Kodro just de- fly down on top of him smashing their weapons down into his spear uh and 
Uh, they're like, this guy's not scary. He's not a super great horseman. He's not crazy about horses. He doesn't inspire fear. He's nothing. And he just Fumuki hits him in the shoulder with an arrow. Ayako slashes apart his weapon with her new cool sharp club thing and also slashes through his mask and he falls to the ground spraying blood everywhere. <laughs> in my mind, I was like, it's going to be tough to justify him getting up for this. That's the neat thing. They don't. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> These children just murdered that man. It's like, oh man, look at this. Imagawa's brother is going to take revenge. Oh, he's dead now. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> All he did, I think, was successfully kill a child <laughs> and yeah. I think fucked up that one general. Yeah, they've got like nothing to say about him at all whatsoever. The Fubuki just comments on the fact that he shot an arrow at the guy by saying, yeah, uh, Tokyuki, I have not taught you archery skills because none surpass Sadamune's and you should always learn from the best, even if they are your foe. It's like, oh, that's a neat little moment. We just murdered that man. <laughs> His face is in two pieces. <laughs> Which is honestly very nice considering he was uh, slammed across the head with like essentially like a bladed anvil. <laughs> right. Like that's, you know, I'm glad for you. You can still have an open casket. I would not. <laughs> But you still can. <laughs> you can, technically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone's gonna be like, mm, I don't. The stitches down the face, mm. not a great look. You could have, you could have put like a blanket over oh, his head. Oh, oh, all the formaldehyde is bubbling up through it. The stitches were not done very well. <laughs> oh, we really messed this one up, guys. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is just kind of about showing off. Hey, uh, the elusive warriors have fucking improved and are really goddamn uh, powerful now. They kicked this guy's ass. Uh, and um, everyone's like, hey, uh, we're go we're going to they're unprepared to defend because they were attacking us. So let's counterattack. They're not going to have a, a strong defense at this point. And uh, the Pojos fight back after suffering those losses of people who we didn't really get to under to get to know very well uh, and uh, are driving back uh, the Ashikaga forces. Uh, one of them shouts out to Takaoji. Uh, saying you've got to hide because the enemy is nearing our main force and uh, a, a whole bunch of people are staring him down uh, as he looks on towards the approaching army uh, in shock and perhaps fear and so we get this narration about about uh, Takauji which is those who seek to conquer exhibit various characteristics some enforce their own will. Some make use of others. Some withstand external challenges. Ashikaga Takauji had a warm personality that betrayed no ambition, and yet he rebelled twice. He treated others mercifully, only to later abandon them. He yearned to retire, yet could not resist being the center of activity. And Takauji freaks the fuck out, takes out a knife and, and goes, oh no, my generals are are dying. Oh my, it's no use. We're going to lose. Maybe I should commit suicide. Yeah, that's it. That's what I'll do. And he stabs himself through the neck. And it was like, uh, oh, we were gonna, we were gonna kill that. Oh. Oh no. Oh wow. Okay. Wow, this made but it easy. Th that's crazy. And then Mora now very calmly approaches him, unwinding a bandage, because as the narration continues, despite his resolve, he could not kill himself even though he tried. He acted recklessly, but achieved results that appeared calculated. On the brink of defeat, he achieved stunning victory. 
And Mora now, uh, you know, as he's getting ready to patch the wound, is approaching, and Takauji just says, well, if I can't die, I might as well fight. And he is immediately <laughs> calm and ready to do battle, and everyone's like, what the fuck is this guy? There really has and, been this character to a T where you're just like, I'm sorry, what is happening? What? <laughs> he's as a he demon is, or something? As he is now described as so unpredictable that he was considered the most incomprehensible in all rulers in Japanese history. And yeah, a guy who's like, maybe I should kill myself, stabs himself, misses his throat, decides, oh, I guess I better keep fighting then. Never yeah, mind, I got crazy. this. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of crazy. So. He's got a little bit of he's got a little bit of an oddball streak to him. Yeah, so that's the chapter. Um a weird chapter, but a good way to kind of reiterate, oh, right, Takauji's just weird, uh, and that makes him dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's effective. Yeah, very good stuff. Uh, Nick, let's wrap this up. Just got one piece left. Uh, yeah, so so we do. It's uh, chapter 1080 of One Piece, The Hero of Legend. So... We begin with Captain Kobe escaping. <laughs> so good job holding him prisoner, Blackbeard's crew. Immediately a bounty is posted, but it's a Blackbeard bounty, so it's not with a uh, a Barry uh, reward. Instead, that he's given a star rating. Uh, so he's a five-star uh, a bounty, which is equivalent to like 500 million berries, which seems a little bit low, but uh, I yeah, guess... Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> I guess Blackbeard's just way too lazy to bother I, with like assigning full on reward figures. I would so. love it if it was just cheap. Uh, it was just like, oh, that's right. That is true. It's the cross guild that do the bounties, which is like Buggy's group, not uh, Blackbeard. Um, oh, that's true. Right. But I, I would super love if they were just cheap and they're like, I know he's like one of the strongest in their entire group and he's so young and has nowhere to go but up like if you kill him we'll give you like like a hundred bucks yeah. all right all right fine like 400 bucks like pull up my leg here you know, all right all right all right fifty dollars per star that's less than 400 <laughs> bucks oh come on are you gonna nickel and dime me here okay well how about nothing how about nothing you just kill him <laughs> that's not an influence for me to kill him at all Okay, fine. I didn't want to do this, but if you kill Kobe, I'll be your best friend. <laughs> I was going to say, it has to be I'll be your friend. Which, I'm not going to lie. If that was the reward, it was like, Buggy will be my friend. I'm like, alright, Kobe. <laughs> now you're talking. <laughs> that shot of the dude crying, holding up the gun. I'm like, so sorry, Kobe. <laughs> Buggy said he would be my friend. <laughs> you understand, right? Just look at the clock. <laughs> I don't have a choice. <laughs> look at the flowers, Kobe. Look at the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, Kobe is on the run. Uh, he has just escaped from prison, so he's still got a freaking ball and chain attached to him. Uh, he's like, God damn it, I've got to get out of here. <laughs> what a hero. Mm-hmm. Uh,. He also is talking to someone. I don't know who he's talking to. Uh, he's with some other people that I guess he's also escaping with, but I don't recognize any of them. So I guess uh, he let a jailbreak. Yeah, he let a, he let a, like a bunch of uh, slaves out essentially. Mm-hmm. 
uh, yeah, they, they say like, hey, you could have escaped on your own, but you also saved us too. And Kobe is being incredibly selfless. He's saying, look, I'll be I'll be a distraction. I'll be a decoy so that they'll chase after me instead of you guys and you guys will get to safety. Uh, we uh, are then uh, given. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so we're, we we are given introductions for Shiryu of the Rain, who is an invisible man. He's mm-hmm. eating the clear, clear fruit. We, we, we know we we have known about that. He he had right. the invisible fruit for a bit, or had a bit ago revealed it. Right, and then there's Avalo Pizarro, the corrupt king, who has eaten the Isle Isle fruit, and is an island man. So he's. The island that they're on. Yeah, there's there's the scene of like the skull that's talking and is like somebody's right. moving on my left back, and I was like so confused for a little bit until I was like, oh, mm-hmm. it's Pizarro. He can just take uh, shape of everything. Basically, he got like the stronger version of Pika's fruit, which is a thing they've yes. established now. There's just <laughs> there's just strictly better devil fruits that can exist, which really mm-hmm. has to suck when you're like if you're peeking, you're like. What the fuck? I can only turn this guy against the whole goddamn island? Like, what is this? Yeah, you should have been careful about what devil fruits you ate. Yeah. You should have You should have min-maxed. Come on, man. Sucks to suck, nerd. Uh, we are also introduced to the heavy drinker, Vasco Shot, who is a booze man. Man, you he's he lucked out with with that one because of the name like that. Like what what can you do? He's just like, well, you know, I get to, uh, I already drink as this, so <laughs> this all worked out. And uh, then there is San Juan Wolf, who ate the huge, huge fruit, so he's just big. So well, it's it's notable he is already a giant who then ate the the gigantic big big fruit. So that's so why big, the, big. that's yeah. why this character is basically like Joe at times. Like he's fucking humongous. Mm. <clears throat> so they're basically just like, hey, what are we going to do? Uh, and uh, th- what are we going to do about the prisoners? Vasco shot proposes that they just burn the entire town down. Uh, and of course, Pizarro is like, no, teach will be furious at us. Don't do that. Uh, and uh, so, and then they're also like, and we better not leave this to Wolf either. And he's a Snorlax in it. He's uh, he's yeah. he's snoring, and uh, he is so huge that the snot bubbles that fly up out of his nose, Vasco's shot is just floating away on one of them. Oh, so, yeah. good for him. Uh, somebody spots Kobe, who is forced to run while carrying his ball and chain under his arms. Uh, and, I think uh, at this point we know all the Devil Fruits of Blackbeard's crew. Then, right? I guess we do. I'm trying to. We... I'm trying to remember if we learned what Burgess's fruit was, and I feel like we did. Yeah, he got some sort of like power thing, didn't he? I'm trying to remember because he's one. Of, did he just get like a fruit that makes him stronger or something? Yeah, I think he stupid did. Stupid yeah. shit like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Um, we know. I think the only person we don't know is Lafayette, who has some kind of like flight fruit or something like that mm. um but other than that yeah i think we know everybody's now so as he runs kobe remembers the conversation that he had with blackbeard while he was captured and uh, blackbeard was just like man i'm great <laughs> <laughs> i do love it oh man i gotta turn pirate island into its own country i'm gonna be a king blackbeard kingdom yeah and <laughs> 
Uh, Kobe's like, that'll never work. A country of criminals. And Blackbeard's like, don't insult other people's dreams. How rude. Yeah, that's his whole thing. He's like yeah. evil Luffy. Um, I was sick, sick fruit. I was like, did we learn doc cues? And then I was like, yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> he turns people into girls for a yeah. <laughs> moment and then infects yeah. them. Uh. And uh, Blackbeard says, hey, I'm going to use your life as a bargaining chip. The government and Navy give in to terror. Uh, uh, if the, the government and Navy give in to terrorist acts, then yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. And Kobe's like, that's not going to work. I'm a member of S.W.O.R.D. And Blackbeard's like, what the fuck does that mean? And Aokiji is there and he says, yeah, uh, this isn't going to work. Uh, you, you should give up on trying to make a deal on him teach. Uh, and because what it means is he's Navy but not Navy. He's turned in his Marine code. Sword are sailors who have already submitted their resignations. They can choose to fight the four emperors if they want without needing permission from above. They can ignore any and all orders they choose. They are wild card commandos. They are... <laughs> they're cops that are they're on the edge of the law that, uh, that yeah, don't need a badge. Uh, and as a result of that, the Navy can not be held responsible for their actions essentially which is very convenient uh, i was gonna say this is like a very convenient wing of the military essentially where they're like yeah we could just say that they were sword and fuck them yep but that also means that they're not going to value kobe's life at all it's like no he, he was part of sword he we have no no uh need to actually go after him and try and save him we are not we are not bound to that mm-hmm. uh so you know, Blackbeard's like, I'm not changing plans. I'm going to just keep on going with this as far as I can because I don't care if you're part of sword. Like, you're still a very valuable asset to the Navy. You're a hero far and wide. So, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see just, you know, what the world's willing to do in order to save your fucking ass. Uh, and uh, the, the damage that it'll do to the government will be deep. Uh, so we're going to keep him in chains. Um, and uh, so Kobe's a running uh, while people are chasing after him. Uh, he... Uh, <laughs> He set free someone, or, or was set free by Perona? Perona Perona somehow saved him. Got here specifically so that he would save Moria. Yes, who is being held here? Which was like, holy shit! I, I knew I knew we'd eventually get to like the Moria resolution, but right. that has been like a deep cut mystery of like whatever happened to Gecko Moria. Oh, Blackbeard was being an asshole to him. Well, fuck you to everyone. I'd like for the first thing Proto does when she meets Amoria, and he's just like, oh, my crew came to save me. He's like, actually, I'm the only one. Everyone else kind of sucked, and I think Absalom's dead. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, you know what? They did kind of (laughs) suck. You were, I guess, the only cool one. Look, I just need someone to invite to my wedding with Mihawk. You're getting married to Mihawk? Well, not yet. Uh, (laughs) I haven't talked to him about it. He doesn't know, but... Uh, so a whole bunch of chaos is ha- is happening. Also, the Navy has arrived. Really, really powerful Navy. And uh, we get to see some uh, fighting happening. Uh, and um, there's a tough guy, Marine, who gets his fucking head chopped off. But he's fine uh, because he's a guy Logia, so he's fine. Well, he doesn't have a Logia. He is, con- so, he is constructed by a person who has a Logia. Hmm. Okay. I believe I'm that's having... the context because it's the the glorp glorp guy we see like in the next thing. Right, I believe. right. 
he just kind of comes back. Yeah, or, uh, he's he's well, made a bunch of of golem soldiers essentially. Mm. Uh, so the first super powerful navy person that we see that has arrived on the scene is Kujaku. Yes, <laughs> yes, that is the first new one. A character who they reveal is the granddaughter of Suru, who's a big character. Uh, but uh, she is uh, a dominatrix character because she can make yep. anything into a whip. And I'm like, we already yep. had a marine dominatrix lady. Her name was Hina the Cage. I don't know why we needed to, but we're here. Yep. Uh, she's a, she has a sword, but the sword is a whip. Yes. So it's like, it looks kind of neat. Uh, and she says, I'll whip you into shape, which is like, oh, come on. <laughs> that's your that's your opening whip pun. <laughs> really? <laughs> that way uh uh some more some more pirates try and open fire on her but their bullets just go and flowers appear they're like what what happened why are there flowers here and uh another member of sword is here it's hibari who is a sniper uh and uh she uh, is like i shot them with flower rounds so they can't use their weapons this was a thing that I believe okay. they established uh, Vegapunk bait that basically turns gunpowder into flowers. So uh, I don't think yeah. it's a devil fruit or anything like that. The other two characters have devil fruits, but they revealed what they did. Uh, so I'm assuming she just has like science or stuff. And then we meet our glorp glorp man, Prince Gruus, uh, who has a cap that has too much of a brim that, 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 a, a that's lot of, too long a lot of things about this guy are unnervingly proportioned his feet yes gigantic like soar from kingdom hearts is like this is a little extreme like yeah pull it together champ. <laughs> uh so yeah he's got a bunch of golems that he has summoned and now oh here's the big thing a ship comes flying up out of the ocean and into the sky and everyone goes wait why is a battleship up there in the sky crashing crashing towards us who's on board everyone run uh, we can't there's too much of a crowd in the square we can't move wait look at the prow no i thought he retired it's the hero of legend vice admiral garp <laughs> And Garp's just standing on the prow of the ship, just holding up his fist and laughing. <laughs> uh, so, a bunch of Blackbeard Spirits are like, shit, run for your lives. We can't, we've can't. got to get out of here. Uh, but they're all trapped in the town square. And Garp comes flying off of his ship and says, do you have any idea who you've taken prisoner? Kobe is the future of the Navy. And what's more, he's my protege. And he just blows up everything. <laughs> he just fucking explodes it all with a punch. My god, man, what a fucking reintroduction of Garp. <laughs> Why did we launch the entire ship into the air? Because ah! I could punch from above and it'd be stronger. <laughs> uh, uh, this is a wild chapter full of so much, but I, I really enjoyed it. It was fun getting to see these characters and like give little teases for what's gonna come. I really like just the inventiveness of the you know the full and big skull and just Pizarro talking through it. It's just like, hey, what's going on over there? Like, I don't know why that's very <laughs> funny to me. Uh, I love the little glimpses of Blackbeard, who I always enjoy seeing look silly, and he's just, when he's just like, wait, oh my plan won't work now. Like it's, I don't know why. I I just find Blackbeard very charming because he can hit both of those notes so well. Uh, there's fun little details, a little, little bit about Perona showing up and the tease of like Moria actually getting involved in things. Uh, I don't care much for the new Marines they introduced. Like, I'm sure there's like a level of like 
basicness. I'm like, oh, Hibari's got like a cute design. I'm also like, I'm not going to remember her. I am not going to remember her. I'm telling you now, I might remember Glorp Glorp, which is not (laughs) his name, but Glorp Glorp is his fruit. So I might just remember Glorp Glorp, Uh, but I'm not going to remember these other characters. Uh, but then, oh, yeah, holy shit, that big fight against, uh, or the big scene with Garp is just so cool. Like, they launch a ship into the air, he shows up, he's like, I'm gonna punch everything with a move called Galaxy Impact. It's very cool. It's very, like, super powerful move from Pokemon feeling. <laughs> just- yeah. It's like a, like a fighting game where, like, you used your special against a character and you dropped, like, six nukes on them. So and- you... So you get the cinematic scene that plays during it like this. I swear to God, if so, there was I remember I I saw earlier this week, you know, um, like I think it was the developers of like uh, fighters uh, talked about like, oh, what would it be like, you know, to make like a one piece fighting game? Uh, And I swear to God, if like something like that ever happens, if they don't make one of Garp's special moves, a cinematic thing where he launches a ship in the air and then does Galactic Impact while jumping off of it, then what are we even doing here? (laughs) What's the point, guys? Let's go home. Yeah, this is such a cool moment. Such a cool scene. Really, really good chapter. Uh, I'm back on board, Nick. I'm back on board with One Piece until next week. We go back to uh, Egghead Island. And I'm like, (sighs) okay. I don't think that there was a bad chapter this week. Uh, no. I think that the, that the one that maybe came closest was the elusive samurai, just because we've kind of been down on it for a little while. But even then, the villain stabbed himself in the neck, didn't die, and was like, oh, I guess I'll keep fighting then. So, like, <laughs> I can't call that a bad chapter. Uh, this is going to be really hard for me, but I'm going to need to ask you, Quinn, what was your favorite chapter this week? Who was your MVP? It's tough. It's a fight between Blue Box and One Piece for me, where like Blue Box is like this extraordinarily cute scene between two characters and like feels like a, a pushing forward of that that relationship in some degree, which is pretty impactful. It happens during Christmas, very like romantic, sweet, iconic, perfect. Uh One Piece was just fun. Like it was just a really, really fun chapter it was all over the place. Um I guess picking it like in my mind is like which one do I enjoy more and I'll admit I think I enjoyed One Piece more just because I'm a I'm a sucker for like those teases of things and also like moving forward on things like as I said we know pretty much every member of Blackbeard's crew's powers now although I think there might be a member we still don't know about yet because there's the 10 Titanic captains, which I don't believe uh. include Blackbeard himself. So I think there's one more member of that group, which adds up mm. to if everyone from, you know, the Straw Hats is going to have a fight or whatever. Right, 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 right. Regardless, I'm giving it to One Piece. I think it was a really, really fun chapter with a lot of exciting things. Um, but character of the week is so freaking hard. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because um, I want to give it to Garp. Uh, I want to give it to um, Chinatsu. I want to give it to Toshusai. Um, I want to give it to like Denji. I, I don't know. There's so many. Yeah. I think I'm going to say Garp though. Um, Cause it was a really, really fun reintroduction. Yeah. Uh, I, we are, we've got so many good choices for both of these. I'm going to say that my chapter of the week is blue box. Uh, but like, like I said, there was not a bad chapter this week. There is something good that I can say about everything that we read uh, that we discussed on this episode. Character of the week. There is like at least one good character in every chapter this week. You know, you've got 
Uh, I thought I liked Nico this chapter. I thought the Denji was hilarious. Uh, I did really quite enjoy the reintroduction that we got. Uh, it kind of reset the stage again for Akane Banashi. Toshisai had her great big rival moment. Uh, and hey, Tanaku Cinema was a pretty good, damn good, uh, and effective introduction to you know our three main characters uh, that are going to be here for this. And hey, Takaji had a good moment. Yes. Garp just flew off of a ship that was flying <laughs> in the air and blew everything up. And I know that that is literally all he did, but he launched his ship into the air and laughed while posing and then blew everything up. And I have to give it to him for that. Uh, so Garp is my character of the week, but many, many, many honorable mentions, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, the audience, by the way, it was clear that there was a lot of things going on. I, I feel like, until like just a moment ago, there was a tie for series of the week, but I guess not. Blue Box just won series of the week, uh, but there is a tie for character of the week between Garp and Denji. Yeah, Denji so. who decided that he wanted corn dogs from France. Uh, uh, so. Yeah, and I am not a corn dog man. I wish I, I want to just nominate that panel for something, <laughs> like a like an Emmy. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm like give this an award. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you all for joining us for Weekly Manga Recap. We will be back next week to discuss more manga. We are currently working our way through. Is it Fire Punch or Fire Fist? I forget literally every chapter. <laughs> fire Punch, I believe. Punch. Uh, and uh, But in the meantime, we will be just discussing our regular weekly series. And uh, hey, there's going to be a bunch more like series beginning in the next couple of weeks. So there's going to be a lot for us to talk about. A lot of new stuff to get uh, added into our rotation and uh, so look forward to that. We do the show here live on twitch.tv slash T Wednesday, starting at about 730 Eastern time. You can also follow us on social media. Check us out in the Discord server, which will be linked in the description uh, so you can join that. And uh, we also send an alert through Discord whenever the show goes live. Also, uh, our Discord server has many lovely, lovely people in it uh, who uh, we have a wonderful community there that we're very proud of. Uh, bi-weekly game nights are held uh, there's discussions on the chapters as they come out week to week a discussion of the current recommendation and all sorts of other stuff uh, there is also uh, a place that is also a place that you can use to find the google doc which is maintained by ninja x3i which keeps track of all sorts of helpful statistics associated with the show including stuff that has been recommended previously uh, and also a list to make your own recommendation if you want us to cover a different, uh, another series in the future and discuss it in detail we would also like to thank everyone who supports us on Weekly Manga Recap, uh, 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 Weekly Manga Recap's Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Weekly Manga Recap. You can also listen to all episodes of the show on weeklymangarecap.podbean.com, on Spotify, on iTunes, generally anywhere podcasts can be listened to. And you can also check out the video version, which uh, features uh, title cards done by Steve Mann, who's our work you can check out under Steve Mann Art, wherever boobs can be drawn on the internet. And it also features an opening sequence, which was done for us by Milo Jack Stilitz and Winsadel Cheddar. That is all over at youtube.com slash weekly manga recap. Oh, yeah. That is everything. Thank you, everybody, for their work. Um, I don't have anything, Nick. Thought I had something there, but it's gone. Drifted off. It's wandering. It's lost, Nick. We had to find it. We had to save it. Did you just somehow go into lost from nothing? <laughs> Did I? Was that a lost reference? I don't even know anymore. Do I just I make don't them know. unconsciously now? Quinn, 
I don't know lost references, so anything you say can possibly be a lost reference as far as I'm concerned. I, I kind of have the Toshisai issue that I made a promise of myself at some point. I'm like, I got to make at least 10 lost references a day. <laughs> so sometimes I just like, I, I go to people and I'm like, uh, can I go touch that like uh, priceless statue to like, you can't do that. I'm like, don't tell me what I can't do. And then I'm like, cool. Uh, and I cross off one on my list. And I, leave. <laughs> I, go, I, don't, I don't know what that was about. <laughs> And then sometimes I just walk around and I go, Walt! Walt! And I scream it for hours. You are speaking to an audience that has no appreciation for this at all. But Austin <laughs> listens to this podcast. I don't know if he gets to this part of the podcast. He probably like hears a star recap and he's like, I'm done. I'm Audi 500. He did want me to know, by the way, he was angry about something you said. What did I do this time? Uh, what did you say? You shit on something he enjoyed. Okay. Cool. You were like, uh, oh, I gotta look for this. You, you said something. Oh, he said, tell Nick to put respect on Captain Toad's name. You shit on Captain <laughs> Toad, I guess. I don't really feel at all passionately about that, so that's fair. <laughs> you shit on Captain Toad, Nick, and Austin took umbrage with that. He's He loves the little Toad people, because I feel like deep down Austin wants to be one of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and on the note of our friend Austin Yorsky wants to be a toad. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>